Welcome into Honorado and Bagnardi. Shawnee, the uh, the news of the week around here is the cancellation of Division One college hockey seasons. RPI on Monday, Union on Tuesday. Uh, both come a few days after the Ivy League, which of course makes up half of the ECAC, had announced it was not going to participate in Division One hockey this year. And and my God, bags. I am just feeling deja vu back to March of last year. Well, that's just it. it last like, year, it's still this year. This year, yeah, right. It it felt like we had maybe navigated enough through it to figure out how we were going to play sports, but still keep everybody safe. And then we've seen the numbers just completely go the wrong direction again. And now here we are. So it's really unfortunate because it, it is. It's like it's like it hits you twice because. It's like we might not have a seat. Oh, wait. Well, maybe yeah. maybe we will now. And then, no, we're not going to. So very disappointing. Yeah, and look, I was bummed in March because RPI was playing so well going into the ECAC tournament. Uh, I'm bummed again now because it felt like the momentum was really on the engineer's side going into this season. At the turn of the new year, Shawnee, they, they were 11-3-1 going into the AC, ECAC tournament. I throw out the Western Michigan games. Um, 11-3-1 going into that tournament at, at the start of the new year, and they had won four straight. All right, let's get the head coach into the conversation here. Dave Smith is the head coach of RPI, and we spoke with him on Monday during a Zoom call. Coach, it's it's good to see you, man. 48 hours later now after having first spoken with your players about the school canceling the season, what have the conversations been like? Where are you kind of emotionally? Well, um, Thanks for having me, Chris and Sean. It's, it's, it's great to talk RPI hockey. We're not we're not playing hockey, so let's at least talk about it. Um, there's so much wrapped into one simple question: um, Where are we emotionally? Where am I emotionally? Um, the finality of of a decision really uh, hits home, even though it was leading up to the cancellation of the season based on what the Ivies had been doing weight based on our team had not been practicing or working out on campus. Um, and we didn't really have a communication plan about our return. So um, I'm still, I'm still my, I guess the best word to describe my emotions now would be confused not confused on the decision because I think the safety of everybody is is at the top of the list, but confused nationally. Is this a um, political pandemic? Is this a, a health pandemic? And I don't think we're ever going to get clarity on this uh, until we look back on it a couple of years later and say, you know what, these people did this decision and this this was looked at looking back was the good decision. And I know that safety is always going to trump everything else. So um, I'm comfortable with it. I'm frustrated that we can't play, but I'm still very much confused on how, you know, uh, the bubble worked, but was very expensive for the NBA and the NHL. That's not a, that's not a model that works for us. The major league baseball plowed through it. Um, you know, the NFL is plowing through it. And right now it looks like certain college hockey right. teams right. are plowing through it. So how did you inform the team? Was it a collective thing? Did you reach out to players individually and overall, 
do players have that same reaction that you have? Do they feel like they're confused? What's their emotional state right now? Yeah, they're 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 more angry still, and um, you know, it didn't come down to a one day decision. Uh, my job is to inform and educate our guys as to the the landscape that they're engaged in. We ask them for ownership um, of our program, and the only way you can have ownership is if you get your questions answered. Um, and that was very difficult. Dr. McElroy, um, I know, spoke to a number of players throughout the process, emailed with them, emailed with some parents. Um, we had parent calls and we were leading up to this and preparing um, for this type of decision. The week before, so last week, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, we had what I called backup planning meetings with our guys. And we asked them to prepare for the meeting I was obviously prepared for the meeting with with Coach Weber and Coach Mosier, um, and it was okay. What ifs? And we we talked about the road where we can receive coaching. We talked about the road with, where there's no coaching. Then when the decision came down on um, Monday, uh, I got a call just around noon from Dr. McElroy, and he said uh, uh, we're going to have a three o'clock um, Zoom call with with both the men's and the women's teams. And at that time, we're going to inform them the season is canceled. It's important that it comes from Dr. McElroy, who's on, on the cabinet. Our guys were prepared for it. We gave them a short notice, heads up, get on there. Immediately after that call, um, we had another Zoom call just with our men's program to let them vent. Um, they're disappointed. They're angry. Uh, we have some guys that may go without coaching for up to a year and a half, which when you choose RPI to play hockey and help you achieve your pro dreams, that's, that's really hard to swallow. Um, so, you know, we also then that night had a leadership group call to make sure that we were reaching into the, the, to every man. So um, the emotions are still really, really all over the place. Um, akin to a roller coaster without the positives it's just flat and then it's negative and then you get back to work hard to get back to flat there's no none of those super high positives all right as bags his cat tries to steal the show behind him here love it um, I love it him out of there. <laughs> there go this, we'll go this way we'll go this not, way not afraid of heights you know Coach. he's moving bags you know he's moving over there exactly he will there's no doubt Coach, you kind of led right into it here, um, and we talked about it briefly yesterday. It's been on Twitter, obviously, and I know your administration got the letter from your senior forward, Billy Jerry, but it was put together by your players, and you've said multiple times that this is a player's program, right? You want your players to have ownership of their program, of this program, and that maybe the overriding emotion is still anger from them, frustration. It's in that letter from your players that was released yesterday. What do you make of the letter? Uh, and, and then we can kind of get into it, but it, but it did speak specifically about the lack of coaching and practice potentially for 18 months. Yeah. And it's really a, um, and I, I think it's a really interesting topic around ownership and, and what does this letter mean from the players to the administration? I'll give you a little, how, how it played out yesterday, about quarter to three, I got a call, um, from from Billy Jerry and Tour Linden, two guys in our leadership group, and they said they said to me, Coach, we just want to give you a heads up that uh, this is what we're going to do. And I was like, Okay, g give me give me a second here. Um, 
because I've never done it. It's very delicate, right? We don't want, we want it to land properly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when I say we, I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to look out for them. I'm trying to look out for me and our staff trying to gauge the landscape, but on the spot. So I just said to them, I said, give me 15 minutes. Um, let me, let me think about it. Um, let me get my thoughts together and I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call Dr. McElroy and give him a heads up as well. But I think it's important as owners of the program that you do what you think you need to do. And um, so I called them back 15 minutes later. Um, you know, they, they uh, communicated directly to Dr. McElroy and myself and, you know, hit, hit send. Um, so I'm, I'm proud that that ownership, like when we use the word ownership, it's only a word until their behavior and actions actually show it. They, they show ownership on the ice, but we haven't seen that since March. They show ownership in the weight room and behind the scenes. They showed ownership with their behavior and all the points they made in that. So I, I'm proud that they have ownership. And I'm also proud of the intelligence. They show a very well, well thought out, very well written, written note. Yeah, it's on Billy Jerry's uh, Twitter page. You can check it out there uh, in its entirety. Uh, Coach, a question from somebody watching on Facebook. Coach Archer wants to know, can the teams train at all during this downtime? Take us behind the scenes here a little bit for people who may not know exactly the situation at the Fieldhouse right now and what you're able to do. Yeah, so um, it, the, the answer is we cannot train with them. The facilities at RPI have been shut down for the entire semester. Um, so we have not been able to uh, get in the weight room, get on the track, uh, get on, on the ice or, or do anything with them. Everything has been done virtual. Um, we have been allowed socially distant, masked up uh, meetings in small groups. We haven't had a lot of those, no. um, but we have had some. Um, and uh, the guys, anything they've been doing, they've been doing on their own. Um, you know, whether it be joining a gym, finding ice time, working out together. I know I hear from people on campus, they were running the steps and there's a lot of steps at RPI, but um, our guys were uh, doing everything they can to train, but nothing with us. So along those lines then, coach, moving forward, what can you do? And maybe that is the answer, some of this virtual stuff for now, but what's the best way to keep hockey relevant for these guys and eventually have them be ready for when they can ultimately play hockey down the road? It's a, that's a big question. Our, our guys, um, it's a very important question. We'll do everything in our power from uh, video um, in the right amounts. Um, some guys are going to go back and play junior hockey if they're age eligible. Other guys are going to find a team to skate on. Other guys that have coaching ambitions are going to practice with the team and maybe get into helping coach a little bit. Some guys will do skill development. The most important part of that is they're all going home this weekend. They're, they're, so we have 16 guys currently on campus. The other 15 are already at home. Um, so we work with them on what are your practice habits? What are your practice plans? And we're going to just need to engage in conversations with them. It's very difficult to have team chemistry when we have guys 11 hours time zone different away um, just finding a meeting time guys in Finland and Sweden all the way to guys on the west coast so it's uh it's a challenge but it's one that the effort from coach Mosier coach Weber and myself we're, we're committed to that and it, it it'll happen because we've got a really good 
foundation now, but it'll be tested. I like that you were able to bring a little bit of levity to, to Monday's call by saying, well, now our win streak just is extended even longer. It was four straight. And, and honestly, it feels like longer ago, Coach, when I looked at the schedule last night and I saw that you guys were 11-3-1 after the new year. And I, I said at the beginning of the show, I threw Western Michigan out. Um, do you remember that time better than we do in the media and just how hot you guys were? I do. It's very clear to me. And, and the Western Michigan one, we knew it when I scheduled it. I said that this is going to be a real, we knew how good Western Michigan was. I said, we could go in there and win two and come back from there overconfident and, and suck. We could go in there and lose two. But if we do this properly, we're going to expose ourselves to a, a tournament team. And um, we went there and we played fine they played great, right? They, they had seven guys sign NHL contracts. So we got beat, but we talked openly with our guys like, fellas, this is a national tournament pace. This is what we're going to see. And we were good up until then. We had a learning moment that weekend. And then we were really good after that. Culminated, I think our best game of that stretch was the Friday night against Harvard. We win two nothing, but with an empty netter with 0.1 seconds left. And that was the game that all, everything was on the line. If we win that night, we have a chance to get fourth place. If we lose, we don't have a chance. So it's very clear the momentum. And, and part of that, Kristen Bags, is that we also remember people like, oh man, coach, we feel, it feels so great. Well, we had 700 sleeps of a crappy record before that the first two years was really setting the tone so absolutely we uh, were rewarded in that stretch the players in particular like I feel so happy for guys like Will Riley and, and Patrick Polino that it had a really up and down career um, I feel awful that it was ended with a virus but we celebrated those victories we sang our song hail to thee and those memories are very clear so by the description I just gave and the question you asked, yes, we remember it maybe a little better than the media does. All right. What is the future here? We've got four seniors on this team. Um, and, and of course, the, the, the catchphrase now across college athletics is transfer portal. So what does RPI look like on the other side of this potentially canceled season? I'll tell you why I call it a potentially canceled season, Shawnee, because of what a team in Western New York has decided before we go to break, though, I want to tell you about us on Amazon Podcast. Check us out at home. If you're home, just tell Alexa, play the podcast, Honorado and Bagnardi, and she will do that. You'll hear all of our shows, including this one with RPI head coach Dave Smith. When we come back from the break, Shawnee, quick break. We're back in less than a minute. We'll ask Coach about how the seniors handle this, and what about players who potentially think about transferring. Back right after this. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dillagaff. Our clothing line puts the F.U. back into fun. 
Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dillagaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. Back on Honor Auto and Bagnarding, we've got RPI head coach Dave Smith with us here after the announcement of, of the hockey season being canceled on Monday. Coach, a little more reaction coming in on social media here. Delmar Owl on Twitter says he loves the progress and positivity. Let's go red. Mariah on Facebook uh, of Bold. I don't know if you know Bold, Coach. There's a Schenectady, Scotia, and Malta spot, but there's one coming to Hoosick Street in Troy, so look out for that one. Uh, Mariah is one of the owners there. What a bummer. Free bowls for the team when they come back from break. There you go. Well, that's great. We do have to pay attention to the NCAA uh, compliance <laughs> part of that, but uh, um, the, the the offer is, is received tremendously. Free. Free bowls. Free bowls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Um, before we went to break here, we teased ahead on on one subject. And, and let's before we – ask you about your seniors and, and maybe guys who will look at other opportunities. This news yesterday, I think, surprised a lot of people, but it leaves maybe the door and window cracked a little bit for schools that have decided not to play hockey. RIT is reconsidering its season cancellation, Shawnee, and the school has said as long as New York State allows them to play, the Tigers are, are going to play. I mean, it it, the word is reconsidered, but honestly, they, they've walked it back completely and said, if New York State's guidelines allow us to play, we're going to play. What do you think, Coach? Oh, well, there's a lot to unpack with it. I, I loved the press release because I felt like we could change a few letters and it, it's the same press release that we would like to have happen. Um, our players uh, have had zero positives. Um, you know, I had an interesting experience. I, one day I went and my wife's a professor here at, at RPI and, um, I had an interesting experience one day. She, she left her, uh, computer charger. Um, so she said, Hey, can you deliver it to me? And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I put on my mask, I've been on campus and I delivered it to her and I went in and she's in class with 20 people. And I, I when I, we got home that night, I said, I said, you're having practice, you're having academic practice. Right. And our players who are here to develop towards pro hockey and it's their goal, similar, similarly to the academic pursuit of excellence. Um, and, and I thought it was mentioned in the RIT press release right. that the players have done everything right. Um, and so I hope, hope, but it's such a delicate situation. Um, I know and I, I trust that RPI is doing what they feel is best. But it is really challenging when you see other teams practicing and playing, and then you see another team practice, prepare to play, cancel, and then reconsider. So all of those things, it's still it's such a mishmash of, of feelings and emotions that I don't have clarity on it. But I know it's a delicate situation because we're talking about millions of dollars at stake on for these institutions. No, we're talking about people's health and well-being, and somebody has to make a decision. And um, we've done that here at RPI. 
we our players are challenging it and we'll see where it goes uh, before we get to, to Chris's question here about players possibly transferring and whatnot, I'm curious, do, is the entire program shut down for you right now? I mean, I know you can't play hockey or practice, but are you able to do anything in terms of recruiting and the other stuff that you that goes into your job and building this team for the future? Yeah, I, lo- I love that question, too, um, because it says, hey, well, what, what, what does a hockey coach do um, or what do coaches do? Um, we what we don't get to do is what we love to do the most and that's coach the game. So our model here at RPI, not unlike anybody else's is about um, recruiting elite talent and then developing, developing it to make it better. So our days now are probably differently busy than before because we don't have the the skill sessions on the ice but we're breaking down video we're watching a ton of recruiting video we are not allowed to go off campus Um, we're creating virtual experiences Um, a million phone calls a week i I think we totaled up our phone calls it was like 370 hours on the phone between the three of us uh, since the beginning of the semester with Mm. with recruits with coaches um, with advisors uh, with, with, with alums, um, you know, fundraising goes into all of these things, alumni networking and connection. So we're really, really busy um, trying to keep our program in the positive spotlight of the eyes in the eyes of the recruits and the coaches and the decision makers, the influencers out there. Um, and it's really challenging, but it uh, it consumes um, the five of us. We've got, uh, you know, the three coaches that can recruit. Matthias Lang is our director of hockey operations who coordinates all of the video efforts we have. And we have a volunteer coach who's a grad student, Jake Morello, who played for us. And and the five of us are, are closely intertwined and we are running. We are not walking. We're not tiptoeing to see where we can go. Um, this is a really busy time because it's critical time to keep us in the, in the thoughts of these elite recruits and the coaches. Coach, I know we have a few more minutes here. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, we mentioned you've got four seniors on the roster. That includes a grad student from Dartmouth. Um, we heard Dr. McElroy on Monday say that seniors will get another year. Am I correct in remembering that? I've got had so many Zoom calls the last 48 hours. Yeah, every, every player on the current roster will get another year of eligibility. Okay. And obviously the talks will go on as to who takes advantage of that and and who doesn't. I know that certainly isn't settled yet. Um, Fans are seeing certainly that player or players will, will at least, you know, look at the transfer portal, if not go into it. Your goalie, Owen Savory, has chosen to go into the transfer portal. Out of your talks with Owen, Coach, how much of that is just kind of maybe a little bit of a fact-finding thing for him, and how much of that is, seriously, I'm leaving RPI? Uh, right in between um, is, is where it started, and Owen was uh, very open and honest with me about his um, his own desire and need to continue developing on the ice with practice and play. And um, he felt the timing um, was was necessary because other, we've seen now a flood of the Ivy kids go into the transfer portal. Um, so Owen felt it was really important for him to explore his options, tell us how much um, he loved it here. He was very open and honest that he wanted to be here. 
but he's at a critical point in his opinion for his professional hockey opportunities. And he needs to at minimum be practicing and hopefully be playing. Uh, the decision on on Monday doesn't help those things. So with every day he's in the portal, um, and I've received a lot of phone calls um, from from coaches because Owen's a, a heck of a person and a heck of a goaltender. So um, absolutely, he's testing the waters, but absolutely, he's serious about uh, about transferring. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll wait for word on that. Certainly, um, but he could take advantage again of of that extra year of of eligibility that that he would get through this. According to a Troy Record report, coach, uh, and you mentioned it, no positive tests on this team, and only fifteen positive tests out of more than eighty thousand tests administered uh, on campus currently at RPI. That's a report from the Troy Record a handful of days ago. So while the numbers, Shawnee, go up everywhere outside of campus in Troy, New York. It, they've done a really good job at, at RPI limiting uh, contact with people who have tested positive and people who who then have uh, since tested positive. I, I know that, um, I don't know if that was for me or for Sean, but uh, you guys are pros. You can adapt to my ineptitude with jumping in. Um, I, I'm actually really proud of, of how RPI has tested. I mean, I know I get tested every week. Our student athletes right now are getting tested. Every All students are getting tested twice a week. But it's gone much deeper in terms of um, the, the protocols necessary to, to keep people COVID-free. And, um, you know, it's hard to argue with the success that, that they've had on that. We, we want to push it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, good on the school for, for having such low numbers. Coach, what is your best case scenario now moving forward? Let's assume that we, you know, maybe get a COVID vaccine in the next few months and and things can start getting back to normal. What's your timetable then and your best case scenario for things really getting back to normal? I don't know, Sean. I, I don't know best case scenario right now because the, the obvious best case scenario is that we can practice and play immediately that the players all come back and we find a way to be together through Christmas. Um, the next best scenarios all are all involve practice and play at any time. Is that, is that in January? Is that in, in February? Um, so anything that allows us to develop our hockey players, they've committed here to pursue their passion of playing professional hockey. And it's, it's different at the division one level, um, all of our guys will have an opportunity to play professional hockey at one level or another. And to have that removed is, is really challenging. And, you know, it, it, I think the last few questions are touching on the challenges like that we're like, we're trying to recruit. We want to bring in new blood. We're adding fifth year seniors from our own program, talking with, with them and the challenge of that. Some guys will be back. Some guys won't. And now the transfer portal, both for graduate, the Ivy Leagues, all the all the seniors have to go in the portal. They can't go back to their Ivy League school unless it's a unique situation. So the the balance of building our roster is extremely challenging. And it's even harder to do those things when you don't see your current roster day to day. So um, I think we're all around some of the, the big challenges. And, I, and I, I'm not in the prediction business. Uh, I just, I, I want to coach hockey. I want to take our program to the, to the um, ECAC tournament in Lake Placid. I want to get into the NCAA tournament. I want to compete for a national championship. Coach, we had hoped to do a weekly segment with you on this show 
go back months to when we started that conversation. Uh, and it would have given me an opportunity to ask you stupid questions weekly the way I used to on radio. So allow me one here to potentially leave this with a little bit of levity. What percentage of people would you say in your life only call you coach or to whom you are known only as coach? Well, I, I make fun of this question because there's people that clearly don't know my name. And, <laughs> and it, it comes across as like, hey, coach. And sometimes the players, um, typically the U.S. kids will call you coach and the Canadians will call, call me Dave. And I tell them, you know, what the rules are. Um, if we're around professional people, they should call me coach. If, if we're just in the locker room, call, call me Dave. It's my yeah. name. Um, so if, if a player and I feel like we're in a relaxed setting is like, Hey coach, I'll be like, what's up player. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, um, I'm confident you guys know my name. So when you call me coach, I think it's because we're in the professional setting. I would say 65% of people call me coach. That's pretty good. It's higher than I would have guessed. So yeah. I have to ask about the the picture, Coach. You got a picture over your – take them full screen here, Chris. You got a picture over yep. your right shoulder. Explain that one for us. Well, I, this is my spot for Zoom calls. And and nobody ever asks. I'm so glad that you asked, Chris – or, Sean. The, um, this is George Servinus scoring the game-winning goal in the national championship game um, against uh, – I think it was against Providence um, to win in 1985. And it sits beside my desk. I see it first thing when I come in, last thing when I leave every day. Um, and and it's a it's a great it's a great photo. It's a black and white photo. Uh, March 30th, 1985. George Servine is scoring on uh, I think the goalie's Chris Terreri, who went on to a long. He was okay. Career. Yeah, he was yeah. okay. So um, <laughs> it's a great reminder of where we want to we want to take this team bus. Love that. Okay. Yeah. Room Raider. Get Room Raider on this one. We'll <laughs> we'll make sure they're alerted to it. Coach, man, we've taken up a lot of your time here. I know you got a thousand things to do in the wake of Monday's announcement. Uh, if there's a reversal, man, we'll we'll celebrate like crazy the way I know people around the RIT program are. The um and 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 just to go back one pit, maybe I need to expand or 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 show you guys my sports knowledge, not just my hockey knowledge. And maybe I can be a sports guest, not just a hockey coach. Wow. And, you know, I love you guys. I love what you're doing and, and appreciate the opportunity to be on and um, anything to talk sports right now. We're in a lull, no baseball, right? No, uh, only football, no hockey, no basketball. And I know you guys as sports guys uh, miss it as well, but I think we can um, show some diversity of our sports if given the opportunity. All right, well, hang on. Before you, before we let you leave, which one of these NFL games is must-watch for you this weekend? Cardinals, Seahawks, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, Raiders. Chiefs have already lost to the Raiders once. Or Rams, Bucks. Um, I think the must-watch is the Rams, Bucks. But you don't have my Bills up there, um, mm. you know. And I think the Bills are a must-watch in our house. But I think the Rams, Bucks is is the must-watch for me, just with. Um, uh, I, I think the Rams are are really good, really underrated. I think Tampa Bay has now reached that overrated stage. I don't think they're as good as their record shows. Um, I think the Tom Brady factor gives them that hope that they can win every game, but I think they've got some flaws. Okay. I love it. There you go. That's just a sneak preview of what we'll do in the future here with Dave, <laughs> with, with Dave, by the way, not Thank coach. You. Hey, 
Dave, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Um, like I said, I know you have a thousand things to do the rest of this week. Uh, I hope we catch up again soon. Wonderful. Thanks, guys, for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Coach. And be safe. You too. Stay healthy. That is RPI hockey head coach Dave Smith with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Bags and I will talk a little NFL, Shawnee. Yep. But the news of the week, aside from college hockey, right? Nationally, we've got the NBA draft tonight. Mm-hmm. And teams are quickly making moves to better position themselves for the season ahead and to try to convince superstars like Giannis and Tetacumpo that he should stay in Milwaukee. That's next on Honorado and Bagnardi. So, what does Capcom have that your bank doesn't? You'll love our lower fees and great rates and a team of financial experts who put you first. What's not to love? We even make it easy to switch. Visit us and open your account today. And find out what it's like to bank where you matter most. Man, the NBA has been active. I love that the NBA has found a way. And look, this year is different than any other. So you can't specifically look at the last, what, month and a half since the NBA finals have been over to gauge the national interest of NBA. But I love the fact that that league, Shawnee, has found a way to stay annually relevant the way the NFL has. And so we've had a lot of activity in the NBA, which leads me to this. Bank on it bags brought to you by Capcom federal credit union, 11 branches around the capital region. Our weekly segment here on Honorado and Bagnardi to make a prediction that maybe has a little boldness behind it, but we do believe has real validity as well. My bank on it here today, Shawnee, is that a trade for James Harden would cause the Nets to fall short of the NBA Finals and not only for this year. Wow! I think a Harden trade would not only affect the Nets' ability to win important games this year, Okay, forget the regular season. There were more than 60 games. And you'd have guys taking time off like crazy. Durant and Irving would sit every now and then, and Harden would try to carry the load. You think they win 60 games in, out of 72? Not well, even. yeah, it's only 72. So, no, maybe not as many as 60. But if okay. they don't win mid-50s, okay, mid-50s, um, this move would hinder Brooklyn's success not just this year, but going forward, Houston is going to ask for an absolute king's ransom. And for however great you think James Harden is, giving up multiple first-round picks with guys like Karis LeVert, maybe Jared Allen, I don't think they would have to do that, or, or should they do that? Spencer Dinwiddie, bringing Harden on Shawnee would cost you the ability to bring Joe Harris back as a free agent. Not a smart move there. A guy who's spot up, knocked down three point shooter doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to be an effective NBA player. And then when you consider the draft picks, that would go back to Houston. I said it at work yesterday. I know you disagree, but I'll use it here as the analogy. It would feel again like the trade the Nets made for Pierce, 
Garnett and Jason Terry. And then all of a sudden you're looking at five years without having your best draft selections. Right. So I had asked you yesterday after you said that who the best player in that trade was that Brooklyn received. And you said Paul Pierce. And we agreed that he was maybe a top 15, 20 player in the NBA at that time. Whereas James Harden is clearly a top 10 player right now. And you'd add him to two other top 10 NBA guys. Um, Look, two years ago, three years ago, I would have agreed with you on this because, you know, I'm not a Harden guy. Right. And this is my team here. This is this is very personal for me. Um, I'm not a hardened guy. I, I agree with you that I don't think he's the kind of guy who you can ultimately win with. He's not that winning guy. But when we say that, what are we really talking about? We're talking about him as your number one. And obviously, he's not going to have to be the number one on this team. Right. And the way today's NBA is, you know, the Lakers got it done with two of the top five players in the game and a bunch of other guys. And I don't mean to diminish any of the other the talent that they had. They had guys step up when they needed to, as you need in a championship run. Um, but ultimately, it was about having not just the best player on the floor at all times, but usually the two best players on the floor. If you're the Nets and you can have three of the top 10 guys in today's game, the way the game is played, I wonder if it's enough. I, I'm starting to turn around on this as maybe – they could make it work. And look, Jeff makes a good point here. Harden is too ball-centric, right? There's only one ball. And I want Kevin Durant to have it an awful lot. And we know Kyrie Irving is going to have to have it too. Um, but the one thing I'll say about this, whereas uh, you know you worry a move like this hurts your depth, and certainly it could hurt your future. And that's what you're ultimately talking about with r- reminding you of the Garnett-Pierce deal, right? Um, but – The one thing with the depth that I'll say is if you spread out the minutes the right way, you can have either Kevin Durant or James Harden on the floor almost the entire game. So now you're talking about having like James Harden as the leader of your second unit for a lot of the game. You now all of a sudden have one of the best benches in the game just by virtue of the fact you have the best bench player. And not that he'll be a bench player, but you know what I mean in terms of how you rotate those minutes, the the lead guy you have playing with a second unit at any given time is a lead guy on first units all across the NBA. So I don't know, maybe they find a way to make this work. I, I, here's why I don't think three superstars are better than two. It depends on the superstars. Yes. But when you look at the Lakers situation, is there a more unselfish superstar than LeBron James? Is there a guy who knows better when to facilitate as opposed to when to absolutely try to dominate a game? LeBron has some – now, he's not the same killer mentality, but he reminds me in a lot of ways of players in the past who just know when it's their time, right? Like you just – you could get a sense this year, especially in the bubble in the playoffs – when LeBron was just going to take over. Like, well, this possession, LeBron's getting to the rim. And you know what? Nobody's going to be able to stop him. But at the same time, Bags, he's one of the most unselfish players in the league. And I I don't think that term when I look at James Harden's game. Okay, I don't necessarily think he's the most unselfish player in basketball, but... um, Superstar. Yeah, but but he is a... He can be a triple-double machine, which means he's got to distribute the ball a little bit. 
And I, I don't know. I think if you come into a team that already has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you have to go in with the understanding that you're not going to have the ball as much. I mean, you, you'd have to. So the question is, can he know that and still be okay with it when it comes to putting it into practice and these games start being played? Don't know. As a Nets fan, do you want to see the trade done? And I'm gonna and I'll tell you right now, it's it's three ones with Dinwiddie and Levert. Drew Holiday, the the Pelicans, and, and we'll do this here in a second. The Pelicans from Milwaukee bags got yes. three first round picks: Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Is James Harden a better player than Drew Holiday? Yeah. So three ones. You're not able to re-sign Joe Harris, and you have to trade Levert and Dinwiddie. Do you want the deal done? It seems too much, but it's really close. Okay. It seems only too much by a little bit. I'm not worried about the three number ones, um, honestly, because this, unlike that Pierce Garnett thing, where you you didn't have as as long a legs with that one, whereas you got guys who are now in their prime. I know you'd have to bring Durant back, I guess, to get through that full time. But I'd be okay with the three ones looking at the next two seasons with those three guys. You know what I mean? I don't um, disagree. My And and this will just be my last thought. I'll let you finish up here, Beck. Yeah. I don't disagree. The three ones have very little value if that team stays intact. Right. But if you bring Harden on and it's a disaster – Remember, Durant didn't get along all that well with Draymond Green at the end of the Golden State run, right? I mean, if things just don't work and Durant says, I'm out of here, and Kyrie says, well, then, heck, I'm out of here too, now those first-round picks have some value. True, but I would think these guys have to these guys have to get along. You know, D- Durant went into that situation in Golden State to go play with Golden State. This would be your bringing Harden in because he wants to play with these two guys. And these three guys have this relationship where they feel like they can make this work. So I would hope the circumstances would be different. The reason I say it's too much, I think, is because of that, is because of Karis LeVert. And I know he's going to have to be a part of this deal no matter what. But that said, it can't be LeVert and all that other stuff, too. They got to, For me, it's like one, just one piece too many, but it is close. All right. Uh, this was interesting here this morning, the report that the Rockets are willing to keep Harden and Westbrook, even if they're unhappy, through at least the start of the season, and then maybe there's Good. trade value during the year. They're both owed $133 million over the next three years, Harden and Westbrook. So Houston here is, this is for show. That's what this is. This is Houston telling all the teams that are interested in Westbrook and Harden, like, hey, we'll keep these guys. You don't give us what we want. We'll keep them. This is just the Rockets playing a little bit of hardball to try to drive the price up a little bit. There's no way they want to run it back with these two guys. It didn't work. They know it won't work. They're restarting in a lot of ways. New head coach, new general manager with the Rockets. Mm-hmm. This would allow them to really rebuild if they move on from one and maybe both of these guys. Fine. But that said, what do they have to lose this season anyway? This isn't going to be a very good season for them uh, not having these guys. So why not say this? Why not even do it if it comes down to it for the early part of the season? Um I'm okay with this. You need to get what you need to get uh, because you're only going to have one chance 
to move these guys. And you got to make sure you get that King's ransom. So I think they're doing the right thing, asking for what they're asking for. But yeah, they got to be willing to play a little hardball too. All right, here are the two big trades that happened in the last 24, 36 hours. Um, Milwaukee uh, traded for Drew Holiday and Boyan Bogdanovich on Tuesday. Um, we already Bogdan Bogdanovich. Say it again. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah. Boyan, Bog- Boyan is somebody else. I always say Boyan. Yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich. And and Boyan would have gotten a bigger return than Bogdan <laughs> did. Okay, right. <laughs> Former net, Boyan. Yes. Like I said, he would have gotten a bigger return. He's a good player and a good shooter. Um, New Orleans got three ones, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for Drew Holiday. Now, Holiday has talked around the league as, as maybe the best defender at the guard position. I think Kevin Durant said that even at some point couple of years ago. Sacramento is getting Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, and Iran Ilyasova, Ersan Ilyasova from uh, Milwaukee. So the Bucs have totally reshaped this roster bags, and you know what it is. It's it's a play, an attempt to try to keep Giannis beyond this coming season. He's he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. Yep, not enough. I'm with you. No, it's not enough. I I think... Unfortunately, in today's game, you know, these guys have it tailored now where they can pretty much go play with whoever they want to play with. And and we're, we're seeing that potentially with James Harden. I don't know that the James Harden move is going to get done. But I think if you're Giannis, you need a bigger name. You need a name that screams at you. And these two guys, as good as they are, and these are talented players, these are guys you bring in to help you fill out a championship team. And look, mm-hmm. maybe Milwaukee thinks that they are – close I mean they can win a lot of games in the regular season they haven't had the playoff success that they want but they do have the MVP guy and Giannis but it's not enough I don't think if, if he can choose where he wants to go and who he wants to play with it's going to take a hell of a lot for you to bring in to have him say I want to stay in Milwaukee now and he's I'll give him credit for this he's not like a lot of these other guys he does seem like the kind of guy to me who might more than others say, I've got the loyalty here. I want to get it done here. So it's possible, but I don't think this is quite enough. Okay. All right. All right. Real quick timeout here on Honorado and Bagnardi. When we come back, Bags has a bank on it, and we'll look ahead to week 11 in the NFL with some really, really good games that we previewed with head coach Dave Smith. Back right after this. All right, Shawnee, week 11 in the NFL, or do you want to bowl people over with bank on it first? Let's go bank on it. Roll it. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's directing this show? You know, Chris, you're always so quick on yours. You pull it out of nowhere. You surprise me every time with it, and you're not even on the button when you know I'm going to come next with the bank on. I know. You know where I was? I was here. That's where I was. Oh, there it is. Yep. So bank on it, Chris. Tiger Woods is done winning major tournaments. Done. It's over. Um, did you, did, would you have possibly said this a few years ago as well? 
Were you in that no. camp? No, I wasn't. Okay. I was in, I believe I was in the camp. Check the tape. Um, they don't give up on this guy. No, that he's a guy who is so talented enough to where if he's healthy, even now being older, that he can find a way to get one. Look, all you have to do is string together three or four really good days. And when you are the best player in the world for as long as he was, he's got that talent in him to do that. But now, to me, the field is just too good, right? It used to always be you taking Tiger or the field. And it was kind of like a joke because it was because it was serious, because it was something you could actually think about betting on because of how good Tiger was. And obviously, we've known he's not he's not been there for a long time. But even still, as good as the field was up until really very recently, I still felt like Tiger and Tiger has shown us enough, mm-hmm. too, after his return that he's got it in him to win. But now I think we're finally at the end of the road with Tiger Woods. He can win. I, I think he could win a tournament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and obviously he will. Yeah. Um, and, and I would have been in the camp a few years ago because I used to ask the question. I used to ask everybody like. You have to choose one. Tiger never wins another major or he breaks Jack Nicklaus's record of 18. And people would him and they'd haul because they didn't want to say he's never going to win another one. Right. Like that just felt like too absolute and counting him out. Like you said, betting against him and and he's done. And then he wins the masters last year and he did win the tour championship the year before that. Yeah. I don't know that he's done winning majors, but if you said to me, you have to choose between him winning another or tying Jack, and that would be three more. I would say he probably, I would say he doesn't win another one as opposed to, so there may be a little bit of a flash that he shows, like you said, over the course of four days where he's able to win again, but given the rest of the field, the the ability of these guys to hit the ball the way they do backs, and that's the way Tiger won back in the day was he would just assault these golf courses and other golfers were like, this guy is out driving us by so much that we're we're not even in this thing. And now look at what Dustin Johnson averages off the tee, Bryson DeChambeau. These guys are getting longer and longer. They're playing with even longer drivers than ever before. Yes. You you have to remodel some of these courses for the new age golfer, the golfer that grew up watching Tiger and wanted to be like Tiger and really started to reshape their body because of Tiger. Right. And bring in Ashley's comment because she makes a good point here. What changed in the field really from last year's to now? And not much, right? A a little. I think think that a guy like Dustin Johnson or other guys maybe are are even taking that little bit of the next step up. But for me, it's a combination of the field and Tiger. And, And I think what we've seen from Tiger and as the field, it's more about, for me, the field continuing to get better year after year. It's not a huge drastic shift from last year to this year or from this year to the next year. But that field is only going to keep getting better. And Tiger's only going to keep going down. And I just don't see it now happening where he gets over that hump for four days in a row and, and is and is the guy and wins another major. 
because uh, the field always shows up in the major tournaments. I mean, young guys like Matthew Wolf and Justin Thomas, and yeah, you've got other guys coming as well. Sure, and that's even that's the tier right age wise below. Fowler and Spieth and Rory and you know we thought that wave might be the one to push Tiger out maybe it's maybe it's this next one Jeff says he thinks the weather delay hurt him this weekend and and I don't disagree you know you're talking about playing you know like half a round at 7 30 in the morning and then going back out and playing 18 more and I know these guys play 36 in a day almost not on the regular but it's something they've done in the past Tiger's body is not built for that anymore. Old he Tiger needs everything. Say it again. Old Tiger could have done that. Yeah, he needs everything to be perfect through a major weekend in order for him to be able to win. Okay, interesting. Look, the Tiger conversation is one people will always take part in. It is not quite LeBron, MJ, mm. but... Will Tiger win another major is always one that drums up some interest. Here are the NFL games to watch this weekend. And I didn't put Dave Smith's bills on here. They're on the bye. Uh, your Jets are not. They could be 0-10. You also will notice they're absent from this list, as are my Packers, even though they're 7-2 and playing at the 6-3 and Colts, which is an interesting game. But these games, in a lot of ways, have a little more meaning to them. Thursday night, man, we get a good one. Really? Cardinals, Seahawks for first place in the NFC West. Yeah. You know, I predicted the Rams were going to win this division at a time when it really looked like Seattle was going to. Arizona's come. I mean, this this is a rock-solid division, man. So you would think maybe, yeah, that's the game to watch because it pits two teams from that division up against each other. Um, Tennessee-Baltimore is a good one. You know, will the Chiefs get revenge against the Raiders? These are all really good games, and you could be okay watching just one of these. If you pick at random and get stuck watching one of them, you're okay with all of these games. But I'm with the coach here. I like the Rams-Tampa Bay game because Tampa Bay, I'm still – it's like I still am not sure about this team. I don't know if they're, like, really, really good or if – maybe they're just going to go lay an egg in the in their first playoff game. Like, I, I don't know. And again, the Rams are the team that I picked. We know obviously Arizona or Seattle is going to move to seven and three and the other one's going to drop. Um, so this is a big game for them to stay on par with the team that does win. And yeah, that to me, that's the one I've got circled. Rams looked really good last week in beating Seattle uh, at home. Arizona, of course, wins on the Hail Mary. I'll be locked in Thursday night to as much of that game as I can watch. Honestly, though, for me, Tennessee, Baltimore, Tennessee, Baltimore. I thought the Titans would win the AFC South. I picked the Steelers to win the, the AFC North, and it certainly looks like they will do that. But a Ravens team bags that only lost two regular season games last year. Lamar Jackson was the MVP. He has not played near that level this year. If they are six and four and a game that isn't up here, who are your Jets playing this? The Chargers, right? The, the Browns, I've, I looked at the Browns are six and three. If Baltimore drops this one to Tennessee and Cleveland finds a way to win, now you've got the Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens. So for me, Tennessee, Baltimore is a big one because not only of the, the division implications for the Ravens, but then you look at the Titans, who I think we both picked to win that division. Yeah. The Colts are right there at six and three, and they just beat Tennessee. So that game for me is the most interesting of the weekend because of how 
it will play out in the respective divisions. Has Baltimore been the most disappointing team for you? I mean, six and three is still pretty good. Um, are they the team that's sort of underachieved for you the most this season? Ooh, boy. Maybe. Maybe, but you know I didn't love them, you know? Okay, Here, here's one that isn't fair. The Cowboys are the farthest from where I thought they'd be. But you yeah, lose the quarterback, and, and that's what happens. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, but they were disappointing, too, before before Dak got hurt. So, yeah. okay. But, yeah, Baltimore, I mean, I had them winning a ton of games this season. So, yeah. Jets go know. to 0-10? Yeah, why not? No Darnold again, right? I know. Um, yeah, why not? 0-10. Will Darnold play again for the Jets? Shouldn't. Yes, I think he will. Why shouldn't? It's done. Shut it down. So you're saying, are you holding him out because you don't want him to get re-injured and lose yeah. trade value? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not – I don't know if he's going to be the quarterback – of the future for this team. But it to me, just doesn't feel like he should be playing football right now for the Jets. Well, you know he's not the future quarterback of this team. Why not? Because they're going to have the number one pick. So? Trade. Man, they do something stupid and win a couple of games the way the Giants have. If he's your guy, you could trade that pick. You could. He's not your guy. I like him a lot. You know I like him a lot. It, I, it feels like there needs the the reset button needs to be hit on on Darnold's career and i think i'm i'm rooting for that because i think he can be a good player he needs to get away from the jets organization they need to to reboot yeah. a new head coach a new quarterback start over so here's the thing he's either your quarterback of the future in which case he shouldn't be playing because you're 0 and 10 you don't want him to get hurt again or he's not going to be the quarterback of the future and he shouldn't be playing because you don't want him to get hurt and you want to be able to trade him so why yeah. he, he shouldn't be on the field. Yeah. You're right. All right. Well then Flacco better not do anything stupid and win some games. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching everybody. Uh, look for us next week here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Uh, the, the giants are, are on the bye, Shawnee. So your prediction has some momentum to it. We'll, we'll catch up with that next week after we see what Washington and Philadelphia do this weekend. Thanks for watching Honorado and Bagnardi.